Good morning, Real Life Church. I'm Melanie. If we haven't met yet before, um, I will make a point of saying hello to you at the end. Um, I'm married to Stuart, and together we help look after this beautiful thing we call Real Life Church. So this morning I want to talk to you about being one in three, or three in one, or whichever way around you want to remember it. So I am one of three. So I am the oldest in my family, and I have two brothers. I'm assuming what has appeared behind me by the smiles on your faces is one of my favorite photos of me and my brothers. Um, So I was born on the 19th of October, 1974. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my brother Dan, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my brother Neil. And then it'll all make sense when I get into it, all right? So I love people. I think um, if I had to kind of sum myself up, that's probably what I'd say. I just, I love people. I love seeing people do what they were made for. It like gives me so much pleasure seeing people function how they're supposed to function, do what they're supposed to do. It literally makes my heart so happy. And I love doing what I'm made for. I love outdoors. Um, I love reading and movies. I love food and cooking. I love to dream. I, I love to see things and imagine things. I love impossible things. So if anybody says, oh, no, you'll never be able to do that, something in my spirit just rises and I think, okay, just watch. I, I just love, I love things that just seem out there and just seem, it's, I think it's one of the things that really attracts me to Jesus is he just doesn't walk in any lines that are just possible. He just, yeah, I just love that. I love that about him. I love the water. I think my favorite place is the beach, followed by a close seconds by the woods. I love being in the woods. So I love the beach and I, and I love being in the woods. My job is I help lead and look after this beautiful thing, but my specific role within that is I look after the young, so under 18s, and I look after what it means for us to be good to our community. My brother Dan, so he's called Daniel, was born on the 9th of August 1976. If you're good with numbers, his birthday is 9876. So I can never forget his. He loves numbers, loves strategy, loves to travel. He is bold and daring. He's so clever. He's incredibly loyal. He loves family and friends. He also loves outdoors and extreme anything. He has broken and been stitched up in in all manner of places. He loves to read. He loves food and loves to cook and entertain. And he loves music and sport. He likes playing sport, watching sport, anything really. His job, he's a financial director in a startup tech business. And it's a pioneering biometric payment using vein identification. So soon you'll be able to go into places and place your finger on something and and a scanner will read your blood basically and it's about the only thing that you cannot replicate because you can actually replicate a fingerprint so soon you will be able to do that and he works for a startup tech firm that are looking to raise funds to to get into this kind of technology so he raises funds but also stops people spending money they shouldn't be spending Um, My brother Neil was born on the 23rd of February and I've left a blank by the year that he was born and I had to message him and say, Neil, what year were you born? Um, 
So I feel like when you get over 21, you kind of forget. He was born in 1981. He loves people and can talk to anyone. If you've met my brother Neil, you're friends with him in about five and a half seconds. He makes friends in minutes. He's incredible at it. He loves to travel. He thrives in change. He loves food and loves to cook. That is a theme that runs through my whole family. We love to eat and love to cook. He loves going out. He loves animals. He will bring home any waif and straight animals. So when we were growing up, we had cats, ducks, rabbit, all manner of things that Neil found and we just had to rescue or take care of. He loves music and shopping. He loves to read. He is crazy likable. I don't even know how he does it. He just walks into a place and he's so likable. His job is he's a driver guide for a tour company in Geneva and he drives people to various locations in France and Switzerland, giving them information about the place, talking them around the area. People love getting on his buses. They just enjoy him so much. We are all incredibly different as a three. We've got like loads of differences. But as I looked at us, I thought we've actually got loads of similarities as well. Loads of things where we overlap. Loads of things where I think that is because we're in the same family raised by the same woman. And we've got these kind of similar things that are just in our DNA and I love it. I love I love watching my family. I love seeing what they're good at. I love seeing how they're different and I love seeing how we're the same. I want to just pause for just a moment and ask you if you are one of three, so you are in a family where you are one of three, or you are raising one of three, or have raised one of three or probably you've raised all of them, actually, all three of them. Maybe you feel like you've only raised one particularly well. Would you just stand for me for a second? So if you're one of three, or you have given birth to, or have raised, or are raising three, would you stand? Look at you all. One of three, I love it. Or raising one of three. I'd just like to pray for you if that's all right. I really felt when I was prepping the message, God said he had something specifically that he wanted to say and do with people who were either one of three or have given birth to or raising or parenting three. Is that all right? So I'm just going to pray. I feel like as well, for sometimes when you're in a three, there can be some things when you're sorting out the order of being in a three that sometimes you're left with in your life and it feels like it follows you around a bit. And, and some of it is good and some of it feels like, oh, I wish I could shake that really. Um, sometimes one in three, sometimes there's someone who feels left out. Sometimes there's someone who feels like they've had to be too grown up and take on too much responsibility. Sometimes there's someone in the three who just feels like no one takes them seriously. Like still now you're in your 40s and you're still the baby of the family and no one quite can get over the fact that you're a grown person. And, and sometimes it's just like that. And sometimes it follows us around. Sometimes it's good for us and sometimes it holds us back. And I just felt like God just wanted to come and just bring a peace that you are one to him. He sees you, knows you, and he knows exactly who you are, exactly what you need. And I felt like he just wanted to come and just meet with you. I also felt that sometimes it's tough parenting, three, because, you, you know, you can't, you can't do one-on-one anymore. Like, you've got you to gotta spread it out, and sometimes you feel like one's left out, and I don't know. And I felt like God just wanted to come and bring peace to that as well. He just wanted to say, I know your kids. I know them individually. I know who they are. I know where they sit in your family. I know what they're doing. I know you. 
and I know what you're doing. And there's a grace this morning, I felt, for threes. There's a grace for you as parents of threes, but also a grace if you are a three. There's a grace. I felt God bring personally some healing to me. I'm one of three, and I felt as I was prepping, God just kept coming in and just bringing healing. I felt like I could smile and look at my brothers again in a different way. I was like, I, I love my brothers, but again, I was reminded of how exceptional they are, just loving their differences. So I just want to pray, Jesus, I just want to pray right now that you would come and you would bring healing, but you would also bring fresh revelation. If you parent one or three or you are one of three to God, you are one. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He has enough for you. And I pray that if there's anything that holds you back, I pray in this moment, in the spirit, he would deal with it. I pray if there's areas where you need breakthrough or strength, or I pray he would come and visit you. I pray he would powerfully impact your lives this morning. I pray sometimes if you feel lost or you feel not taken seriously or you feel a bit um, like it's too much sometimes, I pray that Jesus would just come in and stand with you. And whisper in your ears, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here now. And I pray you would know him powerfully. I pray you would experience him in this moment, in this place. I pray there'd be a grace on you as you parent three. A grace on you to be what they need, but you will never be their everything. For there to be a surrendering to the one who is all that they need. I pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Please don't worry if you're not one of three or you don't parent one of three. There'll still be loads in this for you, okay? Good. I want to look at our God this morning who is three in one and one in three. I want to talk about them as a family. I want to talk about what they're like and I want to talk about how we get to partner up with them and join in with whatever they're doing. I want to talk about how we get to honour them and serve them and be a part of what they're up to on the earth. It is a lot to do in 40 minutes, maybe 30 now, but I really like the impossible so I'm going to go for it, all right? Generally, I'm going to say some general things about the Trinity, which is God who is three in one or one in three. Generally, the Father is the head of the Trinity. So he's the one who creates and speaks life. The Son shows off the Father. It's like his, his favorite thing to do is to point people to him, to reveal him to people. And he is the sacrifice. He's the one who came from heaven to earth. He's the one who saves. He's the one who laid down his life. He was the plan. He's the lamb. And the Holy Spirit is the one who seals the work of God in our lives. So if you've become a Christian and you know you've become a Christian, that's because the Holy Spirit rushed in behind that decision and sealed it. He said, right, we're done now. So it's how Christians walk around saying, I know that I'm saved. It's not because we're the most arrogant people on planet Earth. We may be the most arrogant people on planet Earth, but it's, that's not why we walk around knowing that we're saved. We know that we're saved because the Holy Spirit rushes in behind that decision and seals it. He seals it so that you know. If you don't know you're saved, I would say we need to go back to the beginning and look at your salvation and help you work that out. Because there is something about God that loves to seal up that work. And I don't mean that every so often you have a few little wobbles and you think, and I say, oh, the other day I thought to myself, what if all this is not true? It just popped into my head. 
And I thought, well, you know, I'll have spent a lot of Sunday mornings up too early and, you know, a lot of late nights. But actually, and then I kicked it out. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about if you doubt that you are saved, period. There's probably something in your salvation that needs a little looking at. Don't be worried about that. I would happily help you firm that up. I believe that the Holy Spirit rushes in and he seals it and says that you're saved. But he also sets you apart to do kingdom work. So he works on you and gives you strengths and gives you courage and sorts out a load of things that you think, well, that's not quite right in my life. The Holy Spirit is the one that that rushes in and does all that kind of stuff. So the truth is there is one God. And I'm going to say two things that don't make sense together, but it's fine. We can work with that. The truth is there is one God. And this one God exists as three people, Father or three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God. The common mistakes are what the Trinity is not. So the Trinity is not three individuals who work together to make one God. It's not three gods joined together, like we'll stand three together and we'll just kind of push them next to each other. And it's not three properties of God. So it's not like... You can't, you can't use those clever little pictures of kind of water, steam, ice, because they don't make sense. It's not three properties. The truth is there is one God. God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each of those persons are fully God. And they work together beautifully as a family, honoring one another, lifting one another up. They each have roles that they do. And I want us to understand that this morning and get involved with it. I don't want us to get stuck on, well, how can he be one God and he's three? And I want us to join in with the family business and just get involved, tuck ourselves into whatever they're up to, together or apart. They generally, when you see one of them functioning, generally the other two are just with them, doing their bit. So generally, if it says something like at the baptism of Jesus, where he comes up out of the water, and it's all about Jesus and his baptism, suddenly you hear the voice of the Father and the Holy Spirit descending. Like at creation, when God is speaking the earth into being and the Holy Spirit's hovering over the waters and the Word of God, which Jesus is called the Word of God, is there as well. And you've got this beautiful picture of the three of them doing what they're supposed to do, but overlapping all the time. And and that's generally how the Trinity works. So I'm going to walk us through a few verses, and I'm going to suggest ways that we can get involved. My expectation is you will be scribbling down things that you think, I want to get involved in that. You won't be taking furious notes on everything I say, because you know some of what I say will be interesting to you, and some of it just won't be. What you'll be doing is thinking, I like that, I'm going to try that. Or I enjoy doing that anyway, I'm going to see that as something I can get involved with in God. I think you're going to be surprised at the ways that you can join in with the Trinity. I think you're going to be surprised at the ways that God meets with us. Because often when we talk about God meeting with us, we think of manifestations. So if we were to say, who's meeting with God this morning, you'd be thinking, am I shaking? Am I warm? Am I weeping? Am I, am I doing that? You wouldn't think if I go out and do the gardening, I can meet with God. You wouldn't think if I said, are you meeting with God? You wouldn't think when I cook, I can meet with God. You wouldn't be thinking that's something I, I get involved with, with him because he loves to create. So when I'm creating, either a mess in the kitchen or in my garden, when I'm involved in creative stuff, I'm partnering up with God, I'm meeting 
with God. You wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think to yourself, if I say to you, how are you doing meeting with God? How are you doing meeting with the Holy Spirit? You'd be thinking, she's talking about in my quiet times when I hold my arms out and I start to shake or I start to cry or I've got my Bible. At least I must have to have my Bible in the mix. You wouldn't be thinking that. I'm talking about maybe bake some bread and make something out of nothing and, and touch something that, that taps into what God is like. You wouldn't be thinking that. So that's, I want to help you just see some different ways and some ways that you can connect with the Spirit of God, but also understand you are always meeting with God over and over again. People who say, I'm not meeting with God, are, are not aware of the things that they're doing where they are meeting with God. So I'm going to talk you through some stuff. I'm going to nip around in the Bible and you can follow with me or you can just listen to me. If you don't own a Bible and you would like a Bible and would like some help with it, I'd love to help you with that as well. I love to um, shop on Amazon and I also love the Word of God. So I am really happy to help you find a Bible that would work with your kind of personality type and how you love to read. But I also like the click. I don't like shopping or shopping centres, but I love the click, click, click. So I'm quite happy to help with that. So Genesis 1, 1 to 2 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. With this beautiful picture of God just being at work. But mainly, God is at work in creating And he loves creativity. I would say one of the ways that you can connect up with God is to get outside. I think quite a lot of us spend far too much time indoors. Far too much time with artificial light in front of artificial screens engaging with artificial social networks. Instead of getting outside in the real fresh air with real people and a real creation. I think it is one of the best ways that you can connect up with a real God. And it's not just because I love outdoors, which I do. It's because actually God is intricately involved in creation. He spoke everything into being. So when I go out in it, when I touch it, when I connect with it, I am getting out there in God's creation, connecting up with God. And I'm not talking about new age, weird, like hugging tree type of things. I'm talking about a real connection to a world that God himself spoke into being. And you can train your children in this. You can get them off screens and outdoors. There is something about outdoors that is just lovely. There's something about gardening and getting your hands dirty. There's something about enjoying the world around you, observing it, engaging with it. There's, you see things sometimes that just make you stand back and go, whoa, God, you're so massive. You're so amazing. It's the feeling I get when I go to the beach. I, it overwhelms me, the sea. I, I think it's so incredible. It's the feeling I get when I walk through the woods and the trees are all like, like creating like this secret pathway through something and you see different types of trees and colours and this time of year when you're kicking through leaves, it's a way that you can connect with God, that you can meet with God. For some of us, literally getting outdoors would transform our personal walks with Jesus and our connection to a God who is bigger than any social network platform or any computer screen or any TV program or it's bigger than all of it. Sometimes we just need to 
get outside. So I would say get involved with anything that gets you outdoors and expect to connect up with God in it. If you have kids, teach them to love the outdoors. Cry and engage with people in it. God loves that. He loves people and he loves creating. So try and just be a part of it. Get to know it. Get outside. And if you think, well, I don't really like outdoors, find the things that you do like. If you like to garden, if you're anything that engages with just being part of creation, it's good for us. But it is a way that we can connect with God. For me, it's one of the easiest ways. I just get out in Sutton Park and I feel like I can breathe. I'm just outside. I feel like I I feel alive. And so if I can do that a few times a week where it just hits me how vast God is, how incredible God is, how beautiful he is, how varied he is. If I can just get fresh air in my lungs, it it alters my week, alters my day. Next one, Genesis 1, 26 says this. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. You see, God loves life. So when he looked at creation, what he wanted to do was speak people into being. And what he wanted to do was have people who were like him. And so he created you and I to be like God, to carry something of his image, something of what he's like. And I'm not going to suggest here that you go out and make loads of babies, which would be thinking from this passage. You'd be like, oh no, Mel's talking about sex again. Gosh. Um, What I want to do is talk to you about life, talk to you about getting out there and getting involved with the things that bring you life. So anything that helps people get to know Jesus connects up with the heart of a God who is one in three and three in one. Anything. So if you hand out leaflets on the Boldmere High Street, do you like how I slipped that one in? If you come and help make craft on the Boldmere High Street, And if you get involved in the singing and the worship on the Balmain High Street, if you are a part, anything like that, if you get involved with Alpha, if you tell your story, if you hand something out, if you invite anything that gets involved with that work of seeing people saved brings life. It's something in God rises and loves it and rushes in behind it. We get to partner up with God, get involved with God, get in on his stuff. Any opportunity you get to be a part of something that has the potential for someone to be saved, I would get into it. Anything. Even if your part is tiny. So in my salvation story, there were loads of people and loads of moments where I can see that God was at work, where I know that he was posting things in and he he just wanted me to know. He just wanted me to see. He wooed me, took me on a journey. And all the way along it, there were people who just played their part, who just got involved in that life-giving process, who just decided to partner up with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit who just were brave or bold and just thought, today, I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to do exactly what he said. So I had people who prayed for me, people who gave me notes, people who invited me to stuff, people who blatantly told me that I needed to be saved, people who laid their story out, laid their gospel out, opened up their home to me. I had all manner of people because God just wanted me to go from being dead to coming alive. You can partner up in stuff like that with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you can have your own encounters. You can smile and think, I was a part of that story. 
I, I just posted a card. I just sent a text. I just spoke my testimony, but I was a part of that story. When people get baptized and you listen to their stories, you can think, I was a part of that. I partnered up with God and you get to meet God in new ways and move forward. When you say no, all you do is opt out of the story. All you do is opt out of an opportunity where you get to encounter God and be a part of the Trinity work. That's all you do. It isn't that God is dependent on you and that person won't get saved. He'll just use someone else who says yes. And you see that in the Bible throughout. You see one man who says no and another who says yes. And the the man who says yes, his name is mentioned and his story goes on. The man who says no, you never hear about him again. I would say be those who say yes and partner up with God in the amazing work of seeing people saved. It's one of the ways that we can connect with Jesus, we can connect with the Holy Spirit, and we can connect with the Father because they just love to do those things. Matthew three sixteen to 17 says this, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the waters, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son who brings me great joy. It's like one of the best pictures of the Trinity. It's so beautiful. You've got Jesus being humble, obedient, laying down his life, coming back up. You've got the Father speaking incredible words of affirmation. And then you've got the Spirit just descending on him, getting him ready for the work that he's going to do. If ever there was a picture of what the the Trinity's like, it's right there. Beautiful. I want to say a couple of things. If you're not baptized in water, I'm going to bang this drum on and on and on until you are either sick of it or it just becomes your drum as well and you just start playing it too. You should be baptized in water. It's a way that you get to connect up with God. I love it, Ollie, now. So when I used to say this, Ollie would sit there cringing because, you know, he hadn't been baptized. And and I know there were times where he felt like I was saying, Ollie, why haven't you been baptized? When Ollie got baptized, he didn't get baptized so that he could please me and Stuart so he could get us off his backs because, you know, in another sermon she's going to mention baptism. Ollie got baptized because he felt utterly convinced that this is what God had asked of him. This is what God wanted for him. And so he was being obedient. When he got baptized, he joined in with the Trinity. He joined in that picture, that story. He got to join in with Jesus, going down into the waters and coming back up again. He got to join in with Jesus, hearing the words of his Father in heaven saying, This is my son. With him, I'm well pleased. He got to experience the Holy Spirit just descending on him. He got to join in the story. He got to be a part of the Trinity work. I don't even know if that's correct, the Trinity work, but that's fine. He got to join in with that. When we obey Jesus and we do the things that he asked of us, we get to connect up with God in new ways. And we get to see things that we would have never seen all the time we're saying no. All the time we're saying, saying, I won't do that, I won't do that, I won't do that. When we say yes, it opens up this whole new way. So be baptized, but also remember that God, the Father, spoke words of affirmation. He said, this is my son. And for some of you sitting here, one of the ways you're going to connect up with God is you're going to listen to the words that he says over you through his word, the Bible, but also the words he speaks into your life. You're going to listen, connect with them, believe them. It's one of the ways we get to meet with God. 
It isn't just the shaking or the crying. Sometimes it's reading a sheet of things that says, I am. In Christ, I am. Sometimes it's getting out our Freedom in Christ books and just reading the stuff about being secure in him. Sometimes we meet with God powerfully by literally reading these things over ourselves. Sometimes we meet with God by speaking those things over other people's lives. If you are a father in the room, and I say this in the loosest term, if you are a man in this room, you are a father. So whether you have physically fathered your own kids or not makes no difference. When you are in God's kingdom, the men in the kingdom are the fathers. You have potential to speak life. You can be sarcastic, which is very popular in our culture and our generation, or you can be real and you can speak words of life. And you can speak them loud over people. You can declare truth. You can say of your kids all around you. And when I say kids, I don't mean your physical kids. You can say them to the people who God has given you influence over. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are loved. You are chosen. You can bring words that bring life. You can join in with the Father and do the things that he does. It is incredibly powerful when a man speaks words of affirmation. And I'm sorry if that's sexist. I'm sorry if I'm I'm treading a line which I usually like to just step over. Um, it is incredibly powerful when children hear their dads say, well done. Sometimes my boys will show me their things and then they'll say, where's daddy? Because what they want is his affirmation. What they want is his words. Mine are nice and they love me and, and, I, and they, they always grin. When daddy says they've done well, it is like they grow a foot When the men in our world speak up and speak life, it changes lives. When they are sarcastic and not genuine, it crushes. And I've watched that over and over again. I've been involved with young men and women's lives since I've been saved. I've watched words that have literally caused them to be like giants. And I've listened to words that have caused them to come way down low. I want to charge you, if you're a man in this place, to be men who are genuine and speak words that bring life. Be like your Father in heaven. And you won't be as good as him because he is perfect. So he will always need to do that job. But you can be like versions of him. You can be examples of what he's like. You can bring a little flavor of it. All the while saying, but you do have a dad in heaven who can say these things better. Does that sound good, men? Sounds good to me. I've totally lost where I am here, but that's fine. Okay. Jesus gave them this answer. So this is in John 5, 19. He said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus was a man under authority. He was humble It's one of the things that it says in the Bible God loved about him. Because he was humble and put him down so low, God raised him up to the highest place. In the kingdom of God, humility matters. If we want to connect up with God, humility matters. It matters that we go down low in order that he might bring us up high. 
So sometimes just being under authority connects us up to a God who loves humility. Sometimes just submitting connects us up in with God, makes us experience God, know God. As we say, I'll follow you, support you, I'll get down low. It connects us up with a God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit and is all about that. That's what Jesus did when he came from heaven to earth. He got down low in order to say, I'll do whatever you say. If it's your will, let it be done. And when we do that, we get to connect up with him. When we do what we see the Father doing. And if you're in any doubt, look at what Jesus did. Copy that as he copies the Father. So imitate Jesus as he imitates his Father in heaven. If you're stuck thinking, well, what does the Father look like? What does he do? Look at Jesus, because Jesus himself says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm all about his work. I'm all about his mission. So you want to know what God's mission is like? What he wants you doing on the earth? You're racking your brains thinking, what should I be doing? Look at Jesus. He only did what he saw the Father doing. Sometimes humility just clicks us up to God, and we just, we just feel that, oh, like I'm with him, I, I, I can identify with him. And something of God rushes into it as well. John 14 verse 6 says this, Jesus told him the truth, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Sometimes when we don't compromise and budge on things, we get to connect up with this Trinity. We get to, to connect up with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit who didn't compromise on truth didn't compromise on what it meant. And I know we live in a world now where that is incredibly difficult. I know we live in a time where it is incredibly difficult to say the only way to God is Jesus. And I know even saying it sometimes when we record stuff, even sometimes saying it and it's going to be on the web makes you feel nervous, makes you think, oh man. But actually Jesus was uncompromising Sometimes one of the ways we can meet with Jesus, meet with the Father, meet with the Holy Spirit is to be uncompromising, is to tell people the truth. And the truth connects us up with him. And so when we speak the truth, know the truth, when we we connect up with God in ways that that we don't, when we wimp out or we just just fudge it over here. Because we feel that. Don't you feel that when you, when you fudge it and you, you sort of answer but you don't really. And you feel that wretched, like, I just missed it. I missed it when I had the opportunity to speak. And I'm not talking about walking around saying to people, you're going to hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when Jesus was uncompromising and saying, I'm the only way to God. It's that stuff. When we need to be clear and say to people, yeah. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. It alters us. It alters our connection with God, but it also helps other people. We're not going to help anyone by saying, oh, yeah, you know, if you're good enough, if you're, you, you might be all right. We're not going to help anyone in that. So I would say, be uncompromising. Tell the truth. I'm going to move on because I think I'm running out of time. I'm going to try and wrap this up now. But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. That's in John 14, verse 26. 
The Holy Spirit comes so that we might do many things. Remember Jesus, connect with Jesus, be led into truth. Whenever you read your Bible, whenever you're in worship, when the Holy Spirit is often eager to rush in. So sometimes people say, oh, I don't meet with the Holy Spirit. And I'll say to them, what happens when you read your Bible? And say, well, I read my Bible, things jump out, I jot it down or I underline it. That is the Holy Spirit. Whenever you open your Bible and something makes sense to you, something jumps out to you, that's the Holy Spirit. Because he is the spirit of truth. He loves to rush in whenever we open our Bible. It's why we bang on about it and say, read your Bibles. I know whenever you open it, if you are born again and full of the spirit, he rushes in. I know that he does that because the word belongs to them. It's theirs. It isn't just what man wrote down. It's what God breathed out. So whenever you open it and you are born again and you are full of the spirit, the spirit rushes in. He wants us to understand the truth. He wants us to grasp it. He wants us to move forward. He doesn't just want us to read words. He wants us to read the living words. So whenever it makes sense to you, think for a moment, gosh, the Holy Spirit's here. I wonder what else he wants. I wonder what else he's up to today in my life. Take a moment when anything jumps out and say to the Holy Spirit, do you need to say anything else to me? Do you need me to do anything else with this? Do I need to stay here a while? What do I need to do? Engage with it. Because he's there in order to help you understand truth, but also to live truth. He's there to help you out. If you are struggling with your Bible reading, grab someone. Chances are it is your connection with the Holy Spirit that needs a bit of help. So you keep going at your Bible and going, what is it? What is it? Why can't I get what everyone else is getting? Chances are we need to help you a little bit. Either be filled with the Spirit, be baptized in the Spirit, get a little bit more understanding of how the Spirit works alongside you as you're reading. Chances are it's not the book or even you. It's just actually sometimes understanding the right tools that I need to pick up in order to read this thing. And so you should be in a life group where they can help you. There should be people around you that can help you. Lastly, I'm just going to read this because it's probably my favorite. Colossians 1 verse 15 says this, Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. He existed before anything and was created and is supreme over all creation. Christ is God in person for us to look at, follow, be like He's Christ, he's God in person, he's God in flesh, he's the one that we can, can observe, can learn about, can follow, can obey. He, he's the one that we, we look at. So get into the Gospels, get into books about him. I've started reading one of these, Straight to the Heart ones, Matthew. Started reading this one. I'm going to read all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, alongside reading the Gospels. I'm just going to get a little bit more out of it. I love the Gospels. I love being in them for many reasons, but you get to see the Trinity at work. You get to see God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit at work all over it. You get to see what you should look like, what you should be like. You get to see the things that you should have a go at. So you read a story where he prays for the sick, and you think, well, like, I'm in Christ. He's in me. I'm full of the Spirit. I, I know my Father in heaven. Maybe I can lay hands on the sick and see the 
them healed. You get to see him raising the dead and you think, well, maybe I could be a part of that. Maybe I could be a part of seeing people come back to life. You get to see them speaking words of affirmation, training, teaching people, leading people. And you think, well, maybe I can partner up with that. You get to see God at work in all his beautiful ways. I want to encourage us to be men and women that look at the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and join in. They don't look at them and think, well, I don't get that, I don't get that, I don't know why he does that. But actually look at what they do do and think to yourselves, I want to join that. I want to get involved. I want to be a part of that. If the worship team can come and join me, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he loves to help us worship Jesus. So whenever we sing, whenever we proclaim, whenever we talk about Jesus, something about the Holy Spirit runs in behind it and helps our spirits worship. Whenever you feel that rise in a song, it's not because necessarily the song's a brilliant song. It's because the Holy Spirit loves to get involved in that. He loves to see the Father honoured. He loves to see Jesus glorified. So he'll always rush in. So as your spirit rises, think to yourself, Man, the Holy Spirit's here. I wonder what else he wants to do. Amen? Let's stand, let's worship him.